sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Let's solve this issue. Leader McConnell is correct to say we're not going to take up something in the Senate unless it includes border wall funding. Well, what's been so ironic is that the Democrats and the leadership mentioned last week in the meeting with the president that they want to secure the border, yet they fail to define what border security means. For us, it doesn't bother us what they want to call it. They can call it a wall. They can call it uh, uh, steel barriers. That doesn't matter to Border Patrol agents. As Border Patrol agents, we need a physical barrier out there so that we can protect our country, so that we can keep American people safe, and so that we can keep our Border Patrol agents safe as well. Well, I'm one of many Democrats who has voted for and is willing to invest in border security. Uh, I do think we need to have secure borders. Uh, a lot of the fight we seem to be having now is over exactly how we will improve our border security. It'll all work out. What we need is we need a strong border. We have criminals coming in. We have human traffickers coming in. We have drugs pouring in. We have things happening that you don't want to even know about. And it's been that way for decades and we can't have it anymore. And now, Stacy Washington. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the program. We're gonna be speaking with Blair Ellis right after this, uh, after this segment. But right now, I want to go to the phones. We didn't go to the phones last uh, last segment uh, or last segment of first hour. And so we'll go to the phones now. Um, I also want to give you the information to call. Just before we go to the phones here, we have Mission Preborn going on this week. And we are so excited about saving babies' lives. And, and that goes on to generations. When a mom has an abortion, she literally cuts off a part of her family tree. There's an arm that is aborted. It's literally chopped off. And when a mom chooses life, that child goes on to do amazing things. And they don't all become famous. But I happen to know some kids who were, they, they were like within just moments of being aborted. And then their mom made a different choice. And those people are, they bless my life to this day. They're not kids anymore. They're adults. But that's the, the beauty of supporting a ministry like Preborn that provides the ultrasound that gives the mom a picture of what's growing in her tummy that allows her to choose life and to hear the gospel. $28 provides one woman seeking an abortion with an ultrasound and gives her the opportunity to hear the gospel. Five ultrasounds can be sponsored for just $140. You know you're there. You know you can afford to do it. Join with us by going to AFR.net, the easy way. Click just a couple clicks and you're done. Or call in and speak to one of our fantastic volunteers who will help you through the process. 877-616-2396. We're so excited about doing this this week. So join with us. Right now I want to go to the phones. Andy in Georgia. Andy, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I was, you made a comment earlier in the last hour about... Uh, you know, the the, the, the lunatic, I don't even know what, how to describe the way the Democrats are acting, but you know that it's all about power and control and maybe even money. You know what I mean? But I, I won't say it is, except for the money part, but it's not a political power. It's more of a spiritual power because it's nothing but evil. You know, that everything mm -hmm. that they want is evil. They like all the evil to come into the country, uh, the abortion thing, you know, to kill kids and keeping the uh, Christianity out of schools. You know, it's mm -hmm. just evil. And, you know, I think Trump's doing a pretty good job. I mean, he's done a lot of good stuff. I'm not against him, but I'm not exactly sold for him either because he still keeps a lot of stuff stirred up, and, and that's pushing people to the mm -hmm. other side. 
You know what I mean? Yep. And and I think we do need another president to come in there that somebody kind of likes you, maybe. Not. What? Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Andy, for your comment and for calling the show. Uh, first disclosure, I will never be running for president. Never, ever, 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 ever. Um, and it's it would not be a job that I would want, and I am not equipped. I call it the crazy, stupid fine. If you watched Ant-Man the movie with your family, with your kids, you heard this. One of the characters says, this woman in the movie, he's telling a story, and he's telling it in this very animated way. And he starts to describe this woman, and he says, she's crazy, stupid fine. Well, I actually have taken that little phrase, that phraseology or description, and I apply that to people who are seeking the presidency. You have to have a set of qualities that is crazy, stupid, fine to be able to survive the gauntlet and onslaught that is the process of getting to the White House. And then once you get there, you have to have that crazy, stupid, fine. It's like a schmagegony, which is not a real word, but it's a word I use often here at home and the kids always laugh at me. It's basically this odd cornucopia of skills and gifts and a desire. The first thing you have to have is you have to think that out of 320 some odd million people, you are the only one who can do that job and that you are uniquely equipped to do it. And then you have to want to do it in spite of everything that you're going to lose and in spite of the benefits, because there are enormous benefits to becoming the president of the United States. And then afterwards, once you're no longer the president, I don't have that. I, I not only do not have the set of uh, crazy, stupid, fine giftings that are required to do that job. I do not have the desire to do it. I don't even have the desire to be a local state elected official, which my husband and I have discussed on many occasions, um, me going into the state legislature. And I, I, I actually know I could do a good job at that particular uh, position, House of Representatives or Senate, but I don't want to. I feel like out of all the things that I've prayed for in the path that I've been set upon, um, that this radio job is the place where I'm supposed to be. And it's pretty much the only outside the home type working opportunity that engages everything that I'm able to do while still keeping me in my house and able to serve my husband and our kids in the way that I feel God has called me to do. So, um, but there are others out there, I think, who are uniquely equipped and gifted to do that position. But right now we have President Trump and, you know, I've had some disappointing moments through his presidency, but I would with any president. There's never going to be a president who I'm going to be 100% happy with 100% of the time. Um, but I, I think he's doing his best in the situation. I also think that some of the things that make him so uniquely qualified to do the job, his corresponding negative attributes are things that hurt him in certain ways. But they're also things that endear him to millions of Americans. The idea that he has no filter and that he says whatever is on his mind is something that endears him to millions of Americans. And so every one of his utterances may not be my cup of tea, but I understand there are millions of Americans who love it. They thrive on him speaking in the plain speak that they speak to these puffed up, overdressed elected people and these media types and individuals who think they exist to rule over us. So rather than second guess the comments or the tweets, because I think that's a waste of our time, I choose to look at what he's accomplished and what he's doing and I think that the border remains the signature issue for him. And I want to see him win there, not because it's a win-lose like Democrats, Republicans, but because it's a win for Americans if we maintain our national sovereignty. And it is a loss for us if we do not. It's that simple. And it's also, as the caller said, I think it's a, a fantastic point to reiterate that it is a good and evil type concept. It's the spirit of lawlessness against the spirit of what's right. 
And those two spirits will be warring until Christ cracks the sky open and returns to come and take us all with him. And so in knowing that, it is lawlessness. And whenever, wherever we see lawlessness as Christians, it is our duty to stand up against it. And so there's lawlessness in a, in a lot of different areas of our society, but the border represents the most clear and present impending danger that we're that we're under threat of. And that's why we focus on it so much here on the show. Um, I do think President Trump is the right tool for the right job, and I'm glad he's there doing what he's doing. And I'm I, we have to pray that he would be strengthened to be able to continue the fight because he is under attack from every corner and he has so few true allies, which he can lean on. Um, so yeah, so there's that. Also, a housekeeping note, last week I read a portion of Doug Ross's open letter to the president about how to um, eliminate the deep state, how it's the, an open letter to the president, how you can take the fight to the deep state. And I read a part of it on air and then I provided the link online. Well, there are some listeners and God bless I, I, I know where you're coming from, not Facebook. You, these, these are listeners who do not have Facebook. And so what I did was I posted the letter at StacyOnTheRight.com. So it's up there right now. You can find it right on the front page. Click on it, read it. And then, of course, in homage to the person who wrote it, you have to click through at the end and read the remainder of the letter. It's kind of lengthy, but it's worth it. Um, he, he's teaching you things here that you probably didn't know about the Clintons. There's so much wrongdoing, books and books and books of wrongdoing by the Clintons. So you can read the article and click through to Doug Ross's site there and read it. And then all I ask is that you share this article, share what he wrote so other people can learn and maybe hope against hope this could make it to the president. He could find out these facts, which I know he's knowledgeable in a lot of areas, but not so much in politics. And he doesn't know everything about the Clintons. And um, I, I hope that he would read this letter and get something from it that could be useful for him in his fight to secure the $25 billion needed to uh, finish the wall and other barriers at our southern border. So uh, we had a little bit of information, as you know, what we're hearing from OneNewsNow.com and other news outlets, of course, but the best one, OneNewsNow.com that the president is going to address the nation from the southern border. Well, this comes after a former director of Immigrations and Customs Enforcement went on television and requested that the president do so. So here is that little bit of audio. He says, you've got to give a national address on the border invasion. It's number one. Just Let me tell you what needs to happen. Since they shut down the secretary today, if the president of the United States is watching, I implore you to have a presidential address to the entire nation in prime time and share this data with the American people. They voted for you to secure this border. They need to hear this data on the criminals and the gangs and the drugs coming across this border. Yeah. Go Sign around, Nancy and, and, and Mr. Schumer. Talk to the American people. You will win their support. He's right. And I'm so glad he said that on Fox, where the president had much more likelihood of hearing it. And now the president's going to do it. And the president needs to do more than just one address. It, I mean, we've talked here on the show. Uh, we had Lowell Ponte on the program um, talking to us about his piece where he says there are ways to fund a border wall. It's not just... Um, and I'm just pausing here because I just, I think... Sometimes we make things so hard. Are you with me? How many times can you look back in your own personal history and see where you had something that you needed to get done and it might have even been like a health issue or it might have been something financial, whatever. It, you had something you needed to get done. And so you went about getting it done. 
And it, it was like you're banging your head up against a wall. You just feel like there's no one to help you. There's no way to get it done. When the reality is the easiest way to get it done was right there in front of you the whole time. And when once you've tried every other avenue and banged your head up against every wall, brick, fence, and, and you know, piece of uh, landscaping, uh, you know, retainer, you then realize the solution is simple. It's right here in front of me. And then you start down that path. And before you know it, it's accomplished. I feel like that's where we are with this wall thing. We've watched Congress kick this can down the road for 30 years. 30 years. We've allowed probably somewhere in the neighborhood of almost 40 million people into this country. I know everyone keeps saying, notice that they stopped saying 11 million. Now everyone's saying 22 million. You know, my, my thing is, there's no way it's only 22 million. Not with these numbers, not what we're spending, not, not with what we're seeing around the country. 10% of all drunk driving accidents are illegal immigrants. How could that be? 10% of all the drunk driving, that means almost every illegal immigrant in the country is drunk or there are more of them than we're being told. Also, U.S. Census uh, has this immigration question that they put back on for the next time they go around. And all of the illegal immigrant states, the sanctuary city states are like, we can't, we can't have that. They said now that it's optional. You don't have to answer that question when you do the census. Well, if you ask me, because they said it would disenfranchise people from getting proper representation. If they don't answer the question, then they don't get counted. And then your, your congressperson is apportioned to you by how many hundreds of thousands of people live in each district. So if there are 50,000 people living in a district, but they're not counted on the census, then they will have fewer representatives. You know, you need a certain number of people before you go over from one representative in the House to two for a specific, you know, area. Well, why in the world would people who are here illegally be entitled to representation? I mean, I just don't understand what what nincompoops are doing the thinking around these parts that we have a actual census form used to directly apportion congressional membership. And we're going to use illegal immigrants to help decide why wouldn't California let every illegal that they can find into the country? If they can increase the number of House representatives, they get to go to Congress and then control power from there. Am I the only one who sees this? It's like, hello, Bueller, is anyone home? And I, I promise you, me knocking on this wooden desk is just like knocking on a liberal's head. That's what's going on here. They're literally selling citizenship and power to people who have no right to it because they're here illegally. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Blair Ellis. <laughs> Stay right there. When a young woman in crisis walks into a preborn pregnancy center, she's on a journey. And the Ministry of Preborn is there to help bring her journey to life. Her name's Journey. Um, she is the little peanut in my stomach. I'm glad I made the decision to keep her, even though it's life-changing, but it definitely changed my life for the best. Preborn offers free ultrasounds to pregnancy centers nationwide. Because when a mom in crisis sees her baby on ultrasound, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. Preborn and Urban Family Talk are partnering to help save 2,000 babies this week. Would you join us? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your sponsorship goes to saving babies. To donate, dial 877-616-2396 
or visit AFR.net. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. One thing the government shutdown has done is to remind us how big government is today and how many government employees there are. When just a quarter of the government shuts down and thousands of non-essential employees are sent home, you realize how large the federal government has grown. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to interview Senator Jim DeMint about his book that warned how the bigs were taking away our liberty. Those would be big government, big business, and big labor. Let's look at the federal government. The federal budget last year was $4 trillion. The president and Congress are supposed to manage a bureaucracy with more than 4.8 million employees, if you count military, civilian, and contract employees. No one in history has ever managed such a large organization. Yes, the current president has managed a large company, but it pales in comparison to these numbers. And remember that the previous president had really never managed anything and whose previous experience was as a junior senator. To put this in comparison, let's look at the two largest companies in the Fortune 500. Walmart employs 2.1 million people worldwide and about 1.4 million of them are in the United States. Its annual revenue is $482 billion. Amazon employs just a half a million people worldwide with annual revenue about $177 billion. If Walmart or Amazon were part of the federal government, they wouldn't even be the largest federal programs. Perhaps the difference in scale between the federal government and the major U.S. corporations helps illustrate why so many people believe it is too big and too inefficient. When we see non-essential federal employees sent home, you can't blame some of us for wondering whether some of them should stay home permanently. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here. Hit the subscribe button at StacyOnTheRight.com, UrbanFamilyTalk.com, and AFR.net, the site for American Family Radio. We are so glad to be with you on 180 plus terrestrial radio stations and live streaming to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And we're in 32 states, 800 communities, and we are really excited about being with you today. Um, Right now, I want to welcome Blair Ellis. He is coming to us straight from the RNC, kind of short notice. I'm so glad he was able to carve out some time for us because the president's going to address the border and address the nation from the border. And this is so important, but we need details. Blair, thank you for coming on. The pleasure is all mine. And uh, and yes, I am so looking forward to tomorrow night uh, with the president's address. Uh, I think it's going to be um, very encouraging to hear directly from him. Um, but he's made clear he's not going to move forward unless there is funding for the border. Um, and that includes a barrier for the border. Um, and so we're going to need Chuck and Nancy to come to the table and to seriously put forth some items that they're willing to negotiate on, because all we've seen thus far is them kind of sitting on their hands and hanging out from the sidelines. So Hopefully tomorrow night will not consent into, into the Democrats and, and encourage them to, uh, to play ball. Okay, Blair, you're encapsulating my thoughts exactly. I can't wait to hear the president <laughs> off the cuff. I mean, I know he has some, some really important information that he's going to share, um, and I'm sure that will be you know prepared remarks. But he's also going to go off teleprompter, off script, and he's going to speak from his mm-hmm. heart about why he's so concerned about our border being open. And I, I think one of the things that's it's so important about you coming on today and anytime we have guests on to discuss this issue 
is that we're actually dealing in truth and facts here about what's happening at the border. So many Americans who only watch mainstream television are learning things that aren't true, like hardly any people are crossing, the people who are coming in are the most law-abiding in the country, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Do you think the president's going to lay into those? Like, the, I know he knows the talking points. I know he sometimes is forced to listen to CNN. I know he knows what's going on. Will he cover that too? I think so. I think we're going to, I think we'll see and hear a lot tomorrow, which is good. Uh, and to your point about how we, we dabble in facts, Republicans do at least, um, that's something that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have really refused to do. They refuse to accept facts outlined by DHS Secretary Nielsen um, last week. Um, I, Nancy Pelosi was very quick to, to kind of hush Secretary Nielsen. Um, but there's no question that, that Trump's approach to border security is effective. We know that walls and physical barriers work. They are proven to significantly boost border security. They are proven to deter illegal immigration. Um, and we see the numbers along the border with San Diego, with El Paso, with Tucson. We've seen illegal traffic drop by as much as 90 percent. I think that we, we can definitely anticipate uh, President Trump bringing forth a lot of those very pertinent statistics tomorrow night. Um, and, and also probably outlining some of the other asks um, included in the government spending package um, that he hopes to see Democrats agree to um, pertaining to border barriers, law enforcement personnel, humanitarian needs, et cetera. I really think tomorrow night will be a, a, an all-encompassing speech, if you will. Okay, so quick question from the um, – because I've seen a few emails flying about – from some of the organizations that are very strong on border security. Um, and they're talking mm -hmm. about the fact that there may be some capitulation on amnesty for DACA recipients. And we've also had some hardcore conservative guests on who've mentioned that most Americans are fine with some form of lawful, you know, staying here for DACA recipients, whether it's they become citizens or whether they're given permanent work permits or permanent residency status, whatever. Most Americans are in mm -hmm. favor of that. Now I know that when I hear most Americans, that sounds like a Democrat talking point. There's no most Americans on almost anything. But I personally, while I hate the idea of amnesty, would be willing to trade DACA, so 700,000 of them, not, not 3.4 million, 700,000 of them, mm -hmm. they get the amnesty or whatever it is that they hash out. But in exchange, we end chain migration and we get the wall, all 25 billion. What's the chance of him mm -hmm. laying that out tomorrow? I think everything is on the table. Amnesty obviously not being on the table, but, but everything else is. I think we saw where, where President Trump stood on DACA um, and, the, and his desire to end chain migration last January. It feels like we're kind of living in a twilight zone because this mm. is a very similar uh, conversation that we held this time last year when we were in the midst of the Schumer shutdown or uh, kind of closely approaching the Schumer shutdown in January. Um, but we know that the president has some, some boxes that have to be checked when it comes to immigration reform, but we know that at the former most of this process is a border barrier, period. Uh, and he means business when, when he says that. That's something that's a very important sticking point to him. Um, but we also know that he desires to see an increase in law enforcement personnel. Um, ICE needs additional personnel to help kind of enforce immigration laws, combat gang violence, stop drug smugglers, etc. cetera. Uh, we know that Customs and Border Patrol agents uh, could use a few more hands on deck as well to keep the borders safe and secure. And there's also, not to be forgotten in the midst of all this politicking, humanitarian needs. Uh, there's, a, there's absolutely a crisis at the border. It's not just a talking point that we hear spun by Republicans. It's it's a serious thing. We need money to, to enhance medical support, transportation, supplies, et cetera, uh, temporary facilities, et cetera. Those, I think, are all going to be um, 
uh, you know, benchmarks that President Trump would like to see laid out in an agreement made with Democrats moving forward. Um, and again, I think if Democrats would take off their, their politicking hat for just a minute, we could see that these are really common sense things that, that, that Trump is asking for that, that are widely agreed upon by Americans across both sides of the aisle. I, I mean, I, can, I can't agree with you more. When you, when you talk about widely agreed upon, um, 68% of people in Missouri, now that we are in the heartland, we're a very conservative state, but we have huge pockets of liberals. So to get to 68% on anything, that means you have some Democrat participation. 68% of Missourians want to see less lawful immigration. That came out uh, about a year ago, uh, not, not quite a year ago. I wrote about it for the Kansas City Star. It was such a shocking bit of information. But when you look at the numbers from the survey, it's real. People are actually concerned that we're doing too much lawful immigration too fast. And mm-hmm. then they're also concerned about the illegal immigration. So two different sides of the same issue. But there, there's mm-hmm. a consensus across the country that if if – you know, Jane Q. Public needs to follow the law, obey the speed limit, not drive drunk. Then, you know, Johnny from Guatemala needs to not enter the country illegally. It's 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 a trade off. People are kind of like normal people recognize that. Totally. And I think that you, you speak to the point of the law of the land. I mean, if people want to come into our country, they have to abide by the rules on the books. Um, there is there are proper rules and procedures in place that one must go through. Um, in, in order to legally immigrate into the country. And, and I think that um, President Trump made some really valid points um, last year and, and into this year as well about the need to curb chain migration to make sure that, that um, our processes and policies in place are modernized, um, that we're not just going along with past precedent simply because it's what we call past precedent. Um, it's important that we make note of the demographic changes and fluctuations in our country from year to year and that we adjust policies accordingly. Um, and, I, and again, I think that speaks to how President Trump isn't somebody that just goes by what's automatically been done in the past. He's looking to reform, update, um, and create uh, some, some new policies and, and put new laws in place. Um, but, but again, I think that it's important tomorrow's, tomorrow's speech, that primetime address, I think we're going to learn a lot. I think we're going to hear some really important facts and figures that hopefully, again, we can get some Democrats to, to open their ears and listen to. Um, but at the end of the day, we know that, that this is a big priority for the American people. It's a big priority for the president, and, and he's not going to let up on it. I'm so glad that um, he – I know there was – we just played a little bit of audio from a former director of ICE who was on – I believe he was on Fox, and he was saying, look, you know, we need the president to go to the border and make an address, and now here we see the president's going to do that. I think it's an excellent strategy for the president because he is much more effective when he's speaking himself as opposed to, you know, having – other people who are great at what they do, mm-hmm. but they're on television talking to much smaller audiences. This is something that people are going to tune into. And, you know, 9 p.m. Eastern, that means you're done driving kids for soccer. You're done with everything. You're back home. <laughs> you can you can watch this and they'll have it on the radio yeah. for people to listen to. Um, is there anything that you're specifically hoping that he's going to say tomorrow to bring the American people to his side? Because it's the Democrats aren't going to come willingly, but the American people, I think, can be convinced. I think, again, he's going to hit the same points that he, that he has hit, which is that truly border security it should be non-political. I mean, it truly used to be an apolitical topic. For whatever reason, I think Democrats with their very left and liberal base have realized they have to really 
scoot to the left on this to try and appease um, to try and appease their people. And it, it's a shame because it comes to the expense of securing Americans. It comes at the expense of keeping America safe. Um, and, and that's a shame. Um, but I think when you look at the numbers, the stats, the figures for what they are, you realize the common, how common sense and, and um, necessary a border, enforcing border security is, enhancing our technology, improving law enforcement personnel. Um, I think all of those, again, are things that seem very common sense to us, uh, to Republicans, because we, we put facts first. Um, but I think that is something we'll really hear the president take a deeper dive into tomorrow night. And I also anticipate President Trump's visit to, to the border on Thursday um, to also produce some really pertinent conversations. I think that anytime you can get um, any public elected official down to the border to really see the crisis firsthand, I think it really resonates with you. I think you really have some, some personal stories that you can take back and, and carry to mainstream America, that you can carry to the networks. And I think that, again, will be something that the American people um, both on the left and the right will, will truly benefit from hearing. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Blair, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, no matter what people are bringing to listening to this, you know, because we all walk in with our presuppositions and our, you know, we believe this, we believe that. I'm hoping that when they see him speaking from the heart about what he wants to do at the border, that they'll hear the commander in chief of the U.S. Armed Forces and our military and also the mm-hmm. president of the United States um, talking about saving American lives and protecting Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're already sending the humanitarian aid. There's not much more we can do in the way of supporting these poorer countries, but they can all come here. And I'm I'm hopeful that tomorrow night's going to be a pivotal moment in, in changing minds and getting some movement here because we need that money. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep fingers and toes crossed, but hopefully common sense again will, uh, will prevail. Hmm, perfect. Well, I know you are, are busy on the, on the trail of, of spreading the message about the event tomorrow night. I'm calling it an event because I think it's going to be a big deal. Um, Blair Ellis, <laughs> thank you for taking some time for us today coming in from the Republican national committee. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Pleasure was all mine. Okay. Talk to you again soon. We are just moving on through the program today, and I'm so excited about getting a chance to speak to Blair. Um, and, and she, I'm, I'm with, the sentiment is, we're, I think we're all on the same page here. We all have the same mind. We want to see the president do well tomorrow night. And I encourage you, you know, prayer warriors, my Annas, my, my, my people who you go to the Lord regularly, I'm asking you to please remember, make it tonight over your, your dinner meal to pray for the president and wisdom and courage to be able to handle this challenging speaking engagement he's going to have tomorrow night from the border. Uh, It's going to be on in prime time. And I just encourage you, please, please be praying, praying over him, lift him up. um, And also his, his staff and the, the people who surround him, that they would be, everyone would be wise and on their game, you know, he's got great people there and he has experts and, you know, Stephen Miller is the expert on illegal immigration in this country that's in the Trump cabinet. Um, and he writes amazing speeches. So we, we know the knowledge base is there, but it's more than that. When you have the president speaking to Americans about this issue, it has to be that he touches their hearts. 
Uh, the Democrats always talk about how they're so good at storytelling. And the truth is they are, because as you and I know, storytelling can have many different meanings. The, the primary meaning, obviously, is that you are telling stories. Uh, most often, adults telling stories to children to entertain them and to teach them lessons. But storytelling also has another meaning. And you know which one I'm talking about. It's when you're telling stories. You're intentionally lying to people. You're telling them stories that aren't true. Storytelling. Well, we need our president to combat the storytelling of lies that is going on in the media right now with the truth about what's happening at our southern border. And we need that to be an effective, direct and heartwarming message about stopping crime, eliminating human trafficking, protecting minors of every nationality and specifically maintaining America's sovereignty. So these are important issues for us to pray that, that the, the president would be able to work his way through tomorrow evening. So please join with me in doing that um, over your dinner meal tonight. You don't have to do it out loud. You know, and if you're at a restaurant, you just it's I, but I want to tie it to the dinner meal because that will help us remember to do it. And then um, now I want to get back to. So I have this audio mashup from the Free Beacon, and it is the Democrat impeachment caucus. And I think looking at the clock, we're going to go out with it. Um, it is such a hilarious bit of audio because it's all of them talking about their favorite dream, their favorite unicorn fancy, impeaching the president's number four. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won, bullies don't win. And I no. said, baby, they don't because we're going to go in there. We're going to impeach the we know is that Democrats want impeachment and that it is a spur for them to go to the poll. I say impeach 45 and they go nuts and they agree. Uh, I've been pushing impeachment since July of 2017 when I introduced articles and it's going to take many months of additional work before we have the country mobilized uh, to, to move forward. I said he should be impeached and they said don't use that word. I don't think we can deal with the real issues facing Americans until we get rid of a dramatically reckless, dangerous, and lawless president and get on with our lives. He certainly can be accused of collusion, and I think it's going to be proven. And even if there's nothing in the Mueller report, the president is guilty of violating Section 1512B3 of the Federal Criminal Code. Descriptions of what would happen if we move to impeach Trump are basically excuses. Excuses because, you know, uh, maybe they don't want to fail at it. We're looking at an administration that disagrees profoundly with the way America, with the way Californians see the world. Democrats, I don't care what the Republicans say. I say impeach for and he really is an incredibly skillful and talented communicator. He really is. Which Hitler was too. He hasn't killed millions of people. And so I agree. Look, that's why we want to impeach him. <laughs> We'd like to end it here. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah, that's the way they talk about the president. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. We'll be back right after this. Yo, 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 what up, Seth? Yo, what's up, Mike? How you doing? Man, I'm good, bro. Just let the club, you know, <laughs> the usual. The club? Man, them clubs don't love back, man. You ain't learned yet. You better slow down, dude. 
Ah, come on, Sid. You remember those days. We used to turn up together, man. Used to. Used to, brother. I'm on something much different. Like what, though? I mean, that Jesus music you be rapping about or beatboxing or whatever you be doing. I'm saying, though, that's how I worship. God gave me rap, so I give it back. Why, though? Gospel rap is boring, man. Boring? There's nothing boring about the ransom that ransomed me with himself Took me off the shelf to transform me into my best Surrounding me with those of like minds He drops bombs, some of which is found on UrbanFamilyTalk.com This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Whenever a power-hungry activist wants to infringe upon religious liberty, they refer to the separation of church and state, an evil concept created by an activist judge to limit Christian participation in public life. While God does limit the spheres of influence controlled by the church and state, his limitations lead to more liberty. God is head overall and is unsurprised by the goings-on in our society and politics. He has ordained that free men would control their homes, the church, and the state. There is no separation. When godly men rule, the people rejoice. But when evildoers control a nation, citizens groan and wail. There is no substitute for the proper order of our lives and government under God's planning and direction. When Christians pull back, evil flourishes. The Bible mandates Christian influence in government, politics, and public life. It's up to us. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. This is Poll Paris with Fox News Director of Polling, Dana Blanton. Several hot survey nuggets this week. First, Mitt Romney, the former GOP presidential candidate and newly installed Utah senator, made headlines with an op-ed critical of President Trump that should please most of his constituents. Our Fox News voter analysis shows about two-thirds of Utah voters, 63 percent, want Romney to stand up to the president. Next, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has the gavel again. More voters view her negatively than positively. Still, she's more popular than her peers. 36 percent have a favorable opinion of Pelosi. It's 28 percent for both Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Now, one from the archive. In August 2017, less than one voter in five supported both a border wall and a government shutdown to pressure Congress to fund it. And at that time, a 41 percent minority of Trump voters favored both the wall and the shutdown to get it. I'm Dana Blanton, and that's your poll Paris. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We're going to be discussing uh, the president's decision to withdraw, but to do so uh, from northeast Syria in a way that makes sure that uh, ISIS uh, is defeated and is not able to uh, uh, re revive itself uh, and become a threat again. Uh, and to make sure that the uh, defense of Israel and our other friends in the region uh, is absolutely assured, uh, and to take care of those who have fought with us against ISIS and other terrorist groups. You know, it's for the United States, um, a sovereign nation's ability to defend itself is the ultimate mark of sovereignty. And President Trump has said repeatedly that he backs Israel's right to self-defense, uh, he says it proudly and unequivocally. And I would just say to any nation, whether in this region or not in this region, that has any doubt about America's support for Israel's self-defense, they better think about it again. 
Uh, that what you're, you're listening to the voice of John Bolton reconfirming the U.S. support of Israel's right to self-defense. And um, this is coming on the heels of uh, obviously they're doing a lot of threatening posturing. There's a lot going on in the Middle East that pertains to Israel. But all we ever hear about are the things that have to do with our troop deployments and um Obviously, ISIS, we hear a lot of drama from people who support the Palestinians, but we never hear anything from the perspective of Israel because the national media, they really treat Israel like the stepchild of the Middle East. And they are our ally. And he's reaffirming that because people need to know and understand we're still allies with Israel and we value their safety and their ability to protect themselves. So I I love that he reiterated that. Before we go on a little bit more, I have a couple things for you. First off, we're going to go to the phones. Um, don't forget that we are doing pre-born partnership this week, and we're so excited about it. I love the work that pregnancy resource centers do, and it is wonderful to have them be able to rely on a partner such as pre-born ministries to be able to provide ultrasounds, which it's the clincher for these young women when they're in the throes of decision, trying to figure out what to do. So you have $28. If you donate $28, that gives one woman who's seeking an abortion a free ultrasound so she can make a decision that will impact her for the rest of her life. $140 gives five free ultrasounds. And 100% of what you give goes directly to these ultrasounds. None of it is in overhead or anything like that. And I just, I think it's fantastic that Preborn centers have counseled 340,000 women considering abortion, saving 73,600 lives. That's fantastic. 100% of your donation goes directly to the pregnancy centers. We're providing the ultrasounds. You can call 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or go to AFR.net and donate there online. Please partner with us this week. We are looking for your assistance. We're trying to save 2,000 babies this week, and we know we can do it. Uh, So let's get to the phones. Kelly in Alabama, thank you for calling the show today. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing great. Um, I have two, uh, I guess, points. Um, Why, um, when when we pray for President Trump, also pray for his safety. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I find it, you know, I'm glad he's going to be there, but it's disconcerting to me that, you know, I just want to make sure he's safe because there's so much hate for him. And also, um, I heard him say earlier when he was talking about the border and stuff, you know, somebody was playing back what he had said. And he was talking about there's just horrific things that happen there that we don't want to know about. Maybe that needs to be out there. Maybe somebody Mm. needs to start printing some kind of, I don't know, for your information at the border, kind of paper, leaflet or flyer or something, and showing the hard things that we can't face, what's really going on. That's just all. <laughs> you know what, Kelly? Let's face it. If you turn on TV at night, um, especially the streaming services have now, I just noticed Amazon now has, they have a rating system. And if you watch something that's TV mature, it will have, you know, sections that are pornographic in it. It will have, uh, the regular and frequent use of the worst curse words, you know, the ones that you're not allowed mm-hmm. to say on radio. If we can put up with that drama, surely we can learn what the worst possible things are that are going on at the border. I'm, I, You are so right. I think, Kelly, he should describe it in detail. He should get on the television yeah. and tell every American, ex- when he says it's disgusting and it's, it's frightening and it's, it's horrifying, 
he should describe it. He should spend as long yeah. as it takes. If it's from 9 to 10.30, an hour and a half of nothing but the goriest details, how many people have been raped, sexually assaulted, sold into sexual slavery, what the ramifications are afterwards, how many of them are in our country illegally, how many are at the border every single day crossing over without any supervision, turning themselves into border agents, all of it. You and I know it because we're the tip of the spear for information. But uh, most Americans have no idea. I agree with you. We should be praying not just for his safety, but, but the, the president would be unleashed and just yeah, share all of the information. There. Yeah, yeah, because Americans can take it. If they can watch Fifty Shades of Grey and uh, all these, uh, you know, Walking Dead, Living Dead, whatever the name of that show is, if you can watch all that, you can certainly learn what's happening at the border. That's right. Well, I just appreciate all you do, and I thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for calling the show today. Um, Kelly has a fantastic point. <laughs> I mean, you know, why, why would we withhold that information from those who are currently being told that, most illegal immigrants are visa overstays. That's not true. 40% is not most. 60% of illegal immigrants come across our southern border. If 60% of your customers or your anti-customers came from any one location, you, if they were anti-customers, you'd put a stop to it. And if they were customers, you'd figure out a way to open the border up a little wider, which is why we have this big fight. The Democrats see illegal immigrants as customers, future voters. And the Republicans see these as people who have been convinced wrongly that the way to get into America is to come illegally. And the answer is to put a stop to it. I can't stress how much um, the Democrats are actually, they're making this short-sighted decision, which is, it's folly. When people engage in folly, they do things that for the short term appear to be to their benefit but long-term are to their detriment. So uh, obviously, I've said before, I've changed my mind about it, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, people like that who make $179,000 a year through you know, working for, for as elected officials, it's not that they make, I mean, that's a lot of money, but that's not the money that's making them rich. It's the insider trading and investments and the opportunities that, that they get from these lobbyists and all that. That's how they get rich. That's how they be, go in, they're worth 800000 and they come out and they're worth you know, $48 million, or like Nancy Pelosi, hundreds of millions. It's opportunity and influence peddling. And so what they're doing is they're saying, well, I can influence America and voters in a certain way that maintains my power. But Nancy Pelosi isn't going to live forever. Neither is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No one is. No one's going to live forever. So whether you make it to 100 or 120 or you're out of here at 88, it doesn't matter. You ain't living forever. So the ramifications of the decisions that elected Democrats are making will fall on my children and yours when English as a second language no longer becomes a thing because English is the second language. Do you understand what I said just then? Right now we teach immigrants English as a second language. Because English is the language that is spoken here in America. But Spanish-speaking people don't normally move to another country and forsake Spanish. What they do is they influence that culture to add Spanish to everything so they don't have to read another language. Which means that they will be, inf they're already doing it. They're already signs in multiple different languages and they'll say, well, we need to do that. No, people who are here need to learn to speak English. Most developed nations, English is the primary language that they learn outside of their own language. 
They learn to speak their mother tongue and then they learn English because they want to be able to communicate with Americans and read American books, literature, you know, plays, art, whatever. Technical manuals. They want to be able to go to school in, in, in an American-speaking country like England or, or America. So we don't need to change our country to suit people who are here illegally. We need to stop them from coming in and we need to maintain our English-speaking, Anglo-Saxon heritage, Judeo-Christian values, constitutionally protected rights, America. That's what, that's what, it has to be our primary concern. So the vice president talked a little bit about the border wall funding negotiations and I want to listen to that clip, and then I want to turn to a topic that has nothing to do with immigration, um, which I thought was a pretty interesting story. So I, I dug it out for today, and I'm going to close out the show with it. But first, let's go to uh, Pence. It's number three. Ever since the Christmas holiday, the president sent us to Capitol Hill. I met with Senator Schumer not once but twice. We engaged in good faith negotiations. The president and I canceled all of our Christmas vacation plans. We were here in Washington, D.C. Democrats broke off negotiations about a week ago, but the president's made it clear. We're here to make a deal, but it's a deal that's going to result in achieving real gains on border security, and you have no border security without right. a wall. We will have no deal without a wall. Okay. So I love that it's being reiterated all over the place, and uh, we we have an opportunity. Um, the opportunity, honestly, what the best opportunity was before the Democrats took back the House the Republicans should have been made by hook or by crook with arm twisting and arm breaking to get into a room and hash out some kind of comprehensive immigration reform, including the end of chain migration, everything. And then they should have gotten in rooms with those Democrat senators and made 10 of them defect the way they've been able to do with Republicans in the past. They should have forced it. But they just were too busy having fun. They're too busy jet setting around the country and golfing. They're too busy buying those $5,000 outfits. They're too busy influence peddling and spending all of their ill-gotten gains. I said it. I mean, I just, I just don't, I don't even care anymore. I, I've stopped caring about whether or not this makes me popular or whether I'm going to be able to get Senator this or that on the show. We have interviewed Senator Mike Lee and others. Um, you know, I, I know Roy Blunt. Senator Roy Blunt is my senator. I know him. I've met Senator Hawley. He's now Senator Hawley. Met them. This isn't, I, I refuse to not tell the truth here at, for the, the privilege of having people come on the show. I don't even know if they're listening to the show, if they know that, um, that, that I'm saying these things. That it's irrelevant whether they know or not. The, the truth has to win out. It has to. It's time for us to stop idolizing them and seeing them as these kind of people that are high and lifted up and to recognize that they're, they were great on the campaign trail, but once they get there, what are they doing? They're not doing what they promised. All right, let's go to the phones. We've got Marlon in Mississippi. Uh, hi, Stacey. Marlon from Michigan. Michigan. I never know which ones they are. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Okay, so it's a, it's a, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> yeah, hi, hi. You know, Stacey, hi. I love your show. You know, and... Um, you're good resource for information, um, but I'll make it quick because it's close to the end. Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, what was I going to say? Uh, I think that I don't know that the Democrats would uh, fund the wall because, to me, it would head, in my thoughts, it would 
hand the president a victory, oh, yeah. and maybe that would cost them the 2020 election, you know, because if they give him that, then, you know, he would have more accomplishments that he could say that he did, and even with a Democrat co- Congress. So, you know, if, if they remain the Democrat Congress then, you know, um, uh, it, it wouldn't matter. And then I think that it, it wouldn't matter with him retaining his presidency, being reelected. Um, and then the second thought was is that it's also spiritual, just like one of the other calls said. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. just because it's, you, you, know, may, you make two on, great uh, points. Uh, Two fantastic points. I, um, Marlon, I, I really appreciate the call. I, I have to say, um, when, you, when you talk about giving them a win, I usually, that's the last place I go. Like, that is the last thing I think about because I'm just not a political animal in that way. The, the horse trading, the, you know, they got to win on that. They got to, you know, the Democrats are very much, that's the way they think. They think about things in the win-loss column as opposed to, you know, let's say immigration and the war that's being waged by, waged by communist China on our southern border where they're bringing in the illicit drugs and those drugs are killing Americans. And so when I hear 70,000 dead Americans, I think that's a loss. But to the Democrats, that's those are acceptable losses because the open border is a win for them. So it's not even about whether or not they believe it's right. We know that Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Dianne Feinstein, all of them have voted for different iterations of walls, barriers, more border protection. Um, you know, they voted for all of it before, as, as recently as just a few years ago. So it's not that. But as he just pointed out, when you talk about win-lose, then it becomes a totally different conversation. It, it becomes a conversation, to be honest with you, that I can't even, like, I can't deal in those terms. Dead Americans to me, they're not acceptable losses. This isn't a war. We're not talking about troops who signed up and said, I'll give my life for this, I'll give my life for the country. We're talking about Americans getting duped into, you know, taking drugs that addict them on the first try. It's uh, it's not the same thing to me. And, and if you're voting for the Democrats, you're voting for that power seeking. You're allying yourself with the lawlessness that they're peddling right now. How about those apples? All right, that's the show. God bless you from the heartland. Citizens, we'll be back with you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.